Hey guys, it's Renee from Throwing Down with Renee and Misha. On this podcast, got to hang out with my buddy, Kazim Famawide. We break down all things from WWE WrestleMania Backlash. We talk a little UFC 274. Plus, I get in the conversation of the role of commentary, what it's meant to be there for, and what exactly happened during the Rose Namajunas, Carla Esparza fight. Because commentary team, they went off. Here we go. From Ringer Wrestling, Kazim Famawide is here on the show with us. Kaz, welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. Uh, enjoying my first, uh, I guess, Mother's Day or first like. I was going to ask Day. you how that went. What did you do? <laughs> it was really nice. Uh, we just um, went to a nice dinner with the entire family, the grandmas, yes. all the parents of the world, and uh, got had to blow the bank at Tiffany's real quick because it was the first Mother's Day and got a. Had the blue Love bag it. in real quick, but uh, it was good. It was good. Mama's happy. Baby's happy. It's all that matters. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's the best. Misha, what you need to do is you got to get on the close friends list with Kaz and you get to see that his like beautiful, delicious baby on Instagram. Oh my God. Oh, is she ever There she goes. Oh, she's <laughs> so edible. Delish. Thank she you so much. She is such a sweet, sweet little thing. Uh, well, Kaz, we were just talking uh, WrestleMania Backlash. Wait, time out. First off, how was your first Mother's Day, by the way? Oh, it was great. (laughs) It was fantastic. We had such a good time. It was like, it was just, it was great. We had a barbecue. We hung outside. We had all the babies rolling around. Same kind of thing. We had like the generations of all the moms. There was a grandma, mom, aunt, sister-in-law, like the whole fam bam was out here. It was awesome. Ah. Love we both it. got yeah, to sleep in. It. That was the highlight of my day. It was just like getting to sleep in. I was like, oh, I feel so rejuvenated. So it was That's my Mother's up. Day was perfect. That's I was actually did, like, man. I was like ramping up for Mother's Day. I'm like, I'm just going to sleep in. I cannot wait. Like it was like that was Christmas for me. I was pumped about it. Well, yeah. thank you guys so much. And congratulations <laughs> to all the moms, all the great moms, Thanks. both incredible moms. So I hope you guys moms. enjoyed the day. <laughs> we love moms around Thanks. here. Uh, speaking of moms, uh, WrestleMania Backlash, Ronda Rousey now has got that championship gold around her belt. What did you think of that I Quit match? I was just kind of catching Misha up to speed on what all went down. What exactly is the I Quit match? And I was saying to her that I don't love the microphone edition. You know, having the microphone in everyone's face for the I Quit, we don't need it. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, anybody that will tell you, anyone who's been following uh, this second act of uh, Ronda Rousey's pro wrestling career, um the microphone work isn't really what like makes Rhonda the draw she is right like sure. I think a lot of people kind of went into this match with not the highest expectations because of that because Rhonda and Charlotte had to carry a lot of this uh feud through talking but I think last yeah. night you kind of showed why you know Rhonda's a box office uh sort of act because they had a incredible match I mean I think the microphone stuff is a little hokey or whatever but I think just yeah. the just the just the action was really good, and I, I'm always wary of I quit matches, especially when it comes to Charlotte, because it, you know it gives you an excuse for somebody to kind of go away for a little while. Also, like they had the yeah. injury angle yeah. thing go on, and you know they've been building Ronda ever since her return to the Royal Rumble. So not only am I kind of interested in how well that match was received and and what Ronda is going to do now that she's the SmackDown champion, but kind of where this leaves Charlotte and is she going to like take a break I for a know. while or yeah. just kind of chill out? Cause she's been, she's been like all systems go since like before the pandemic, during the pandemic afterwards, like she's Charlotte been, like, don't quit. Charlotte really don't, don't quit. She is in it to win it. 
Yeah, yeah. honestly, get that woman an award uh, and like I don't know a bonus or something. Yeah, some sort of iron. So woman is that is that award part of like? <laughs> yeah, is that part of like an I quit match? Is like they're supposed to be out for a little time after that? Like supposed to like have sustained an injury? Is that like what you're saying, or is it just? I'll, like, I'll, it, it's not really a part of it. It's not really a part of it, Misha. But like the way they kind of like had that storyline go it's always because uh the the feud has gone on too long and there, there has to be uh, some gotcha. sort of big blow off over there right so it's not just the, the injury yes right it's not just the injuries and how brutal the match ends up I becoming it. it's about her physically saying the words i quit and then what comes after that you know and usually in I like wwe you. history so once you say i quit something else usually comes afterwards so let me ask you this then, since Charlotte Flair's title reign has come to a- an end at this point, um, like how would you rank her reign as a SmackDown Women's Champion? You know, she's had she's had some great reigns. Uh, I, I'm not sure if this would be the one that's I, I would leave at the very top. But, uh, you know, do you feel that it's hard to count the Charlotte reigns, though, because she has been champion so many times that it kind of blends together a bit for me. And I don't mean that necessarily even in like a bad way, but it's like she, to me, Charlotte's just always a champion. Yeah. Like she's her, her and Becky Lynch. It's, it's more, I'm more used to seeing her with the title than without. So mm-hmm. uh, I, yeah. I, I, it's really, it is really hard to kind of rank them because she's just kind of always in the mix and there's not really one reign that means more than the other. I would say maybe that first, Title reign heading up into uh, WrestleMania in New York for the triple threat match was a pretty important reign. Sure. Uh, I would say maybe a couple of ones that she did with Sasha Banks when she was on Raw and going back and forth. But this one was a little weird because, you know, it kind of started around the whole like weird Becky Lynch title switch that was not necessarily mm-hmm. like well received. And then this Ronda storyline has kind of gone on a little longer than people wanted it to. So, I mean, I, I don't think it's through any fault of her because I think she's incredible and an incredible uh, performer. But, you know, I just think, like Renee said, the fact that she's champion all the time, it's really hard to kind of like rank which is the best and which really isn't. Yeah. So what do you think is next for Ronda? Who do you see coming out to challenge Ronda next? Man, I got my eyes on like uh, a returning Lacey Evans. You know, I feel like they've been building her up Ooh, a okay. lot and 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 kind of getting her ready uh, to you know. Does be that in make that you mix. a little nervous though, in terms of um, in terms of who's going to be able to kind of lead that match a little bit? I feel like when you look at like ring, you know, ring abilities and whatnot, I feel like you kind of need that ring marshal to really help matches for both Ronda and Lacey. Right, right. I mean, I'm not sure because, you know, uh, I think this would be one of Ronda's first feuds that isn't necessarily with an established veteran, like a Four Horsewoman or an Alexa Bliss or a Nia Jax or something like that. So uh, I think she's probably worked up enough uh, credence to, to maybe be a little bit more of a ring general. But in that case, I think there's also the possibility of a returning Bailey who's been kind of like sitting in the sidelines for a while. She's the one person out of the four horse woman who hasn't really got to touch Rhonda yet. So I think the fact that she's gotten through Sasha, Charlotte and Becky, well, not really Becky so far, but I think she hasn't really got to really build something great with Bailey yet. And I think that's if, if she's been healthy, as the reports are saying, and they've been waiting to bring her back, that's probably a good reason and time to bring her back is to put her in that uh, eventual battle with with uh, Ronda Rousey. Couldn't agree 
more. Let's get <laughs> Bailey back in the mix. Your leg's fine. Get yeah, in there. No Bailey buddies. No Bailey buddies. Yeah, you know? let's go. Right. <laughs> um, what did you think about Rhea Ripley joining Judgment Day? This was a huge moment. I mean, we all kind of knew that it was eventually going to come, but now that it's yeah. finally here, Edge is continuing to build this awesome stable. Uh, what do you think about Rhea joining uh, the fray? I think what Edge is doing right now is what you kind of hope every uh, OG that comes back does, which is kind of use their star power to build other people. She, he, he's doing that with Damian Priest. Uh, she, he's going to do that with Rhea Ripley now. And I think it's such a perfect fit, right? Like, I feel like once we kind of saw where Edge was going and saw, like, the promos that he's cut about, like, people trying to follow his sort of uh, way of thinking, I think all of us kind of fantasy book. Like one of two people. I think Rhea Ripley and Finn Balor were the two people who were like, you know. Wait, I did not hear up. Finn Balor in the mix for that. I don't hate that. Oh, you didn't hear this. Am oh, I just okay, not in right. enough on, on wrestling Twitter? Did that one go over my head? <laughs> I, I, okay. I, don't, I don't know, Renee. I think I think you're not in the streets like I am, like, like I used to be. But <laughs> I, once you start seeing, I feel like the, that, there's been a lack of, of theater and goth in WWE recently, right? There's no Bray, Undertaker's yeah. retired. Like, there's not a lot of spooky stuff happening, right? And, and we like spooky. <laughs> we Spooky's love it. Fun. We I love it. some good spooks. So, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I think Rhea Ripley's a great addition. I love when a woman is down with a, with a male uh, stable and she can yes. kind of like hold her own and yep. she's not just kind of like fighting the other women. She's getting her hands dirty with the men too. I really like that. And I think Rhea Ripley plays that role per like perfectly because she's just, she's a specimen. So I, I, I love feel that like, she got physical age. I feel like ever since Rhea showed up on the scene, people are like, oh my God, this girl is a star. Give her all the money, give her all the contracts, all the things. And then there was a little bit of like, you know, sort of awkward booking. What's going on here? Does this feel like finally the train is back on tracks and this is going to be the thing to really cement Rhea where she should be? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, it, it takes me back to the Royal Rumble a few years ago when Bianca and Rhea were yes. just coming up from NXT and they were like uh -huh. the last two women. And everybody was like, okay, these are the two women that are going to carry this company for the next 10 years. And you're yeah. right. Bianca kind of took off like, like a rocket ship and hasn't really looked back. And Rhea hasn't had this, the same smooth sort of journey. So I think this combination with Edge and doubling down on the, the, the nightmare sort of persona that she has, uh, I think she's back on track. I'm, I'm, I'm extremely interested. And I, and I just love the, I love a good slow turn, like the swirl. <laughs> Remember that yes. swirl back in the day that went super viral? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I yeah. I think it was a gopher, but yes. A I gopher. You know what I mean. One of those, one of those <laughs> yeah. woodland creatures. A rodent. Some kind of rodent. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think, uh, I think I it's awesome. That. And I, and, and I think she's going to be, uh, I think, People are interested again, and that's all that matters. As long as people 100%. are interested and want to see it, then I think Rhea is in good shape. Agreed. I am with you. Um, and really quickly, um, Cody Rhodes, is he doing exactly the things that you wanted to see him doing uh, upon his return to WWE? You know, every time I see Cody, and I, gosh, I, I was talking to Dave Shoemaker and Rosenberg uh, yesterday on Spotify about this, and I just can't help the fact that when you're a top guy in WWE, and you have the American flag behind you, like the sky's sort of the limit, right? Like sure. you can't really be Hulk Hogan no more. Kurt Angle's kind of gone. Mm -hmm. And Cody's like story is such like 
the real American dream. Like go yeah. out, build it on your own, come back, like do it for your family, do like have all these, like he really- Grandson of a plumber. Grandson of a plumber. He exemplifies all of these like American values we try, mm-hmm. we try to hold near and dear now. And the fact that he's having great matches, he's getting cheered loudly and chanted for, like he is old. A lot of pyro, her. expensive pyro. <laughs> I love that he gets like like six percent more pyro every time he comes out. Like, it's always something new. Uh, yeah. But he's he's killing it right now, and I think uh, you know I think he's nothing happens by accident. You know I think this Agreed. whole journey he's kind of been on from AEW from before then to Legacy to now has made him like the perfect candidate to be the next dude to officially. Maybe Agreed. not this month, maybe not next month, maybe not next year, but officially go up against Roman and be one of those yeah. top guys and be a, a legitimate challenger to to take the mantle. Yeah, could not agree yeah. with you more. Love well, speaking of it. legitimate challenge and all that good stuff. Did you get a chance to check out UFC 274? Yes, I did. Uh, it was an incredible night. I, I just, I seen the dude that turned into the, the, the board ape NFT that got his face kicked off. Oh. That, <laughs> <one time. laughs> so that, that was, was insane. That was pretty insane. Uh, Thug, Thug, Thug Rose or Thug Angel. Don't, I don't want to mess up her name. Uh, I was Thug a little Rose. disappointed. Rose, I, I was a little yeah. disappointed in Thug Rose's performance. Uh, yeah. I, I kind of thought that she was going in the favorite, but um, I don't know. I think her story is something that, she, and, and very close to what wrestling is, some people are better as chasers than champions. Yes. And I think Thugs, Thug Rose's story, you kind of get the feeling that she's probably more dangerous than somebody who's chasing something and not necessarily the person who's I being chased. I think you are spot on with that. It feels like sometimes the pressure of being a champion isn't the most welcoming of her best performances as opposed to like when she's going after it, you know, and the expectation isn't quite as high. So I'm with you on that one. Um, would you take would you take away from the main event with uh, Justin Gaethje and Charles Oliveira? I mean, it looks like Oliveira needs to step up into that title match, you know, like I'm hearing the Connor rumors you know about that light heavyweight title, that lightweight title match. Uh, incredible performance. I'm a big uh, uh, Chris fan, uh, so I was a little disappointed that he lost. But uh, you know, it's it only gonna the the whispers of the Conor McGregor eventual super fight, and for that lightweight title is only gonna continue to get uh, louder, especially after a performance like that. Especially when yeah. you know, it, it, I think it's gonna be an incredible fight when it eventually happens. But uh, it's a little disappointing that. You know, they didn't make Wade and you didn't have like an official title match and all that. But yeah. at the end of the day, you know, it was still a I think that people are still seeing Charles Oliveira as the champ, though. I mean, I feel like as a fan of the sport, you're looking at him and you're saying, dude, this guy's the champ. He's the young crown champion with a performance like that. I mean, he just didn't let it get to him. Um, and, and we've seen him have some moments where it seemed like it was more his mentality than his skill set where he lost fights before, like where it seemed like he kind of checked out. And right. as of late, I've just seen this amazing turnover and it's been really admirable to watch him, you know, get, he got put down twice yeah. um, in this fight against Justin Gaethje. And then, you know, Charles Oliveira to like to, to come back from that and then to finish Justin. I mean, it's just a testament to how much this guy's continuing to improve in every single area. So I think it'll be interesting to see what is next for him, whether that, 
beat Connor or whatever. I don't think Connor deserves a title fight personally at this point. <laughs> However, you know, he's such a big star that yeah. it would, it's not out of the realm of ordinary possibilities. Um, interestingly enough, you know, like it's, it's, it's yeah. he's nice, lost his last fights. Like what, what he does no business being in a title conversation, but it's Connor sure. McGregor. So I guess everybody wants to see what, you know, they can make. I personally think that Conor McGregor should fight Michael Chandler. I mean, Michael Chandler cut a nasty promo. He's the one that kicked uh, Tony in the face. Did you talk about that <laughs> meme? I mean, yeah. he cut a sick promo after that, calling him out, saying, I'll go up to 170. I mean, that's a very competitive fight because you have a smaller guy kind of coming up and, and it's very marketable. But, you know, Chandler has the wrestling, but Connor has that knockout ability. Chandler's chin isn't like always the best. You know, he got dropped even by Tony, you know, so it just has like so many different ways that that fight could end up going that I love a fight like that, that you're just like, I don't really know. Like this could end in so many different ways. So, um, but whatever does happen for Charles next will be certainly interesting to see. Yeah. yeah. I almost feel like with, with the, with the collar of it all, right. Like even, Though he may not necessarily deserve a championship, I still feel like just for if I'm taking off my promoter's hat for a second, I feel like if I want to build this guy up, I give this kind of I make this kind of fight happen because I want more people to know why this dude is the uncrowned champion and why this person needs more folks to know who he is. And despite, you know, what Connor's done in his last few fights, been very disappointing, has lost a couple of these things. He's still yeah. a box office dude. He's still a guy yeah. who people are oh, going to yeah. shell out big buckets, big bucks to yeah. watch. So, you know, it almost, I would almost look at it as 70 a reward. bucks like, a pop, they better. There you go, right? Like, I'm almost looking at it as a reward. The cards like, and the asses yeah. and the seats, right? So, yeah. speaking of which, let me ask you this then, Kazim, do you, if you follow the UFC at all, like, is there, are there any fighters that, that kind of stand out to you be like, you know, that would be a great cross. I mean, I guess it doesn't even have to be the UFC. I mean, it could really be just MMA in general, but um, are there any fighters that you just like that person would be good coming over into pro wrestling? Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is a couple. I'm a big fan and uh, a good friend with uh, Israel Adesanya, the last style bender. I think he is an absolute, d- d- despite the fact he's, an extremely talented fighter. I just think he's yeah. hella He knows how to do a great entrance. He can put on a hell of a show when he's coming down the <laughs> ring. He does. He can yeah. cut a hell of a promo. He dances. He's funny. Yeah. He's engaging, you know. And on top of that, he's got a presence about himself. There's only like, you know, in the UFC, there's maybe a handful of people who I know has can or has the ability to cross over into that mainstream. And I think yep. the uh, style bender is right there. Like he's, he's right at that prefaces of, being a a worldwide even more worldwide than he already is uh being on the cover of ufc and all these other things but you know there's still that level of like mainstream uh attractiveness that guys like brock lesnar have had john jones um you know even uh, daniel cormier a lot of these guys but izzy is just someone who uh when it comes to a mouthpiece when it comes to entertaining when it comes to being able to put on a show in the ring and outside of the ring He'd be a a lock for a WWE star if he ever wanted to do it. Yeah. Misha, who do you think? Who do you like to to make that crossover? Gosh, you know, I've acted... I actually like Daniel Cormier too. I think Daniel Cormier could be amazing. I know he's not like an active fighter now, but that's even why it might make more sense. And he just got inducted. There were so many talks, by the way. Yeah. 
There yeah, were big time so, talks of him joining the commentary team at one point. I, I think know he that, would like, be that was definitely so good on the mic. Um, I just think because he's very quick witted. He's super. He's really intelligent. And then he can throw people around like nobody's business. I mean, he's always been a smaller heavyweight. And just to see like what he did with Josh Barnett, um, just I mean, you name it. The guy, he could just throw bodies around. So I'm sure he'd be highly entertaining as far as the, you know, the athletics part of it goes. But I think he'd be great on the mic, too. Yeah, no doubt. Could not agree more. Well, Kaz, thanks so much for jumping on here and joining us and dropping a little knowledge for us. Go <laughs> smooch that baby, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Uh, will do. Misha, Renee, thank you guys so much. I'll catch you guys later. Enjoy the rest of your day. Hey, everybody, this is Lindsay Rhodes. And with the NFL playoffs underway, what better time than now to check out my podcast, The NFL Road Show? We're going to break down the biggest games, key players, every angle in between with guests that go past the low-hanging fruit and get to what you really need to know. We'll have new episodes every Monday and Thursday all the way through Super Bowl 56 in my hometown of Los Angeles. So please subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts or listen on the SXM app included with most subscriptions. The match between Carla Esparza becoming the new strawweight champion against Rosa Menunez. Now, this was a very lackluster fight. There is not really any debate about that at all. But an interesting point about this, I find, is the commentary during this fight. Um, we've got some of the audio for it. So why don't we just get in some of the audio and we can have a little conversation afterwards. If this fight goes the next three minutes and... I, I got. I mean, I think they have to fight again in the trilogy to like figure out who is the better fighter. You want to see? This you again? can tell Dana that, okay? <laughs> Don't tell Dana you want to see a third meeting. Somebody okay? goes. Somebody in the truck goes. He's trolling you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! And we've also got another one here from DC and Rogan. I think the world of Rose Namajunas. I think she's a tremendous fighter. I think she's an absolute star. But no one is above criticism. And her and Carlos Barza have truly put on a dud today. In a big spot right now. This is the dud of duds. I mean, it really is. And it really is playing a game of chance. Because when you fight like this and your belt is on the line, I, I, I don't quite understand it. The dud of duds. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I mean, while we're just kind of, let's just hammer the point home here. Let's play this last clip, uh, clip from D.C. This is the stinker of all stinkers. This is the most weird, and I'm so uncomfortable because I have, like, I don't know who won the fight. No idea. My heart's beating fast because somebody's going to be upset. And I don't understand how anyone could have the right to be upset. Well, do you know what kind of booze we're going to experience when the decision is raised? I'm just glad that you got to go in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So to follow all this up, uh, Daniel Cormier, after the fight, said, Rose and Carla are going to be pissed off at us because we had to kind of call it like it is. No one is above criticism, and that fight was to be criticized. No doubt. There's no question about that. You know, you almost feel for the commentators in a point like that. And of course I will, you know, I've, I've sat in that commentary booth. Uh, it's different in professional wrestling, of course, but that doesn't mean that there aren't stinker wrestling matches or matches that you've called a hundred times or a program that has gone on too long that you've told the same story over and over and over that, you know, there'd be times like me, Michael Cole and Corey Graves, we'd all just be kind of looking at each other with our hands up in the air being like, there's no way for us to save this sometimes. Like that to us is like, 
when you have to get into show mode. You're like, well, guys, coming up tonight in the main event, we're going to have this, this, and this. Like, you have to almost, like, completely distract from what's happening in the ring. I mean, if there's an incident where something bad is happening in terms of somebody missing a spot or somebody didn't quite land the the move that they were trying to land, you do your best to cover up for that um, because you are working together as a unit but that's professional wrestling. It's obviously going to be a little bit different than than calling a match like this because, yes, you want to protect your fighters. You want everyone to come out looking great. That is the job of the commentary team is to have facts, to have stories, to just add that, that razzle-dazzle to the fight. You also have to keep your own integrity in line. And if you are going to go out there and still talk about something as if it's great and, you know, trying to talk something up when clearly it's not, that's when you start to hurt your own credibility as a commentator and as a voice in the sport. So you've got to be really, really careful of how you're going to do that. Do I think these guys maybe went a little bit too far? Yeah, but this was five rounds It was really, really long and there was zero action to call. They were going off talking about fights from what, 2011 or something? Like they were, they were talking about completely different fights, talking about what was in front of them, that it was just a bad situation. And yeah, as much as, you know, I think everybody can agree, we are all Rose Namajunas fans. Watching what Carla was able to do to go out there, like, yeah, I mean, you respect these fighters, but when nothing happens, it just puts the, it puts commentary in a really bad spot. And it's got to be rough for commentary too. I mean, these guys, they have such amazing chemistry together as well that they're like buddies hanging out. It's hard to not be like, what the fuck are we watching right now? Like you fall into as if you're like, you know, you're backstage in the locker room, maybe talking a little trash, not on the air. Um, So Kelly, Russo, what do you guys think from like the fan perspective? Kelly, I know that you were actually there, so I don't know how much of the commentary you really got to hear. uh, But in terms of like commentators jumping in there, calling things as they see it. I mean, like we mentioned earlier, literally the wave was going around and it went around five times. Like that's how bad it was. The wave doesn't last that long ever, especially at a (sighs) UFC fight. Of course. It was just crazy because typically, you know, in a five-round fight, that first round, more often than not, is a feel-out round, especially when you have two people that have fought each other before. You're kind of trying to see how they're going to play things, what their footwork looks like, what their head movement looks like. You give them the benefit of the doubt. But then, even myself, the middle of round two, I was like, okay, like, you kind of see how each other is moving. Like, what are we doing here? And as a fan, I went back and I listened to the commentary because I saw it was a big point of discussion but as a Mm -hmm. fan you don't want to be bs'd by the commentators like if you're watching that you can see what's going on there's no offense it's not exciting and i know the commentator's job is in part of their job is to definitely make the viewers really interested in what they're seeing and play it up and make it out to be you know like we're watching a strawweight title fight it's a rematch like rose namiunas is one of the most exciting fighters of all time i understand that there's all of those layers But everyone's watching the same thing. Like, if the commentators were out there saying that this was exciting, this was a great fight, would we all not be rolling our eyes? Exactly. 100%. They would have been shit on that entire time if they did that. And that's when your credibility comes into question if you're going to go that route instead of just calling it like you see it. Absolutely. And like you said, you have 
DC, Rogan, and Anik, who are their A-team that work together so often, that have that rapport, like they're such good friends and they make jokes about a lot of things. So sure, maybe some of it went a little bit too far, like the laughing at it and whatever, but ultimately that's why people like these guys because of their personality and because of the way they interact with each other and they are the UFC's A-team for a reason. So you kind of have to take everything with them with a grain of salt. And like I said, I would have been more annoyed had they tried to play this up like it was something it wasn't. I wonder what the conversations are. Like, I wonder what Dana's reaction to that is. Like, I wonder how different that is from WWE. Like, everyone knows, I feel like, that commentary spot in WWE is such a topic of conversation. Who's there? It's the hot seat. Why it works? What doesn't work? Oh, my God. What is Vince possibly saying in people's ears? Like, that, I get asked that all the time what's it like having Vince in your ear Uh, where I don't know what that's like on the UFC side in terms of being produced uh, what's going on in the in the production truck what like Dana's involvement in that stuff so like I just wonder what that conversation is Uh, I mean it seems like Dana's down to have a good time and he probably also thinks it's a little bit ridiculous so is he laughing at it too or is he kind of like guys could you not do that but yeah I get what you're saying who knows yeah, I, I don't know. Even in the post-fight presser, Dana admitted to like kind of dozing off during this one. Like he said yeah. he wasn't fully locked in. So I doubt he's like out to get the commentary team for, over yeah. this. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. were even saying like, you know, tell Dana you want to see this again because they know how <laughs> yeah. Dana is. They know Dana's not going to yeah. be like, all right, let's get the third fight going between these people. Like it's let's do a trilogy. <laughs> no. What makes money makes sense for Dana. And this fight was not yes. money. Yep. And, you know, sometimes during those moments, too, of like having the commentary team, you you know, we know that that is the A team, but there's a reason why those guys are so good. And it's in moments like that, even though it is, you know, when you're coming out of a fight, you don't want the topic of discussion to be like, well, who's a commentary team saying during that? But those guys are entertaining and they're engaging, uh, even when they have to call something that's uh, underwhelming, so to speak. Yeah, MMA has always kind of just operated like against the grain and against the normalcy that comes from other sports from our head on down. Dana White is a very different president than Roger Goodell is for the NFL yes, and that type of, of thing. Of course. He's never once hesitated to say, I thought this fight sucked. So, yeah, yeah the, the commentators kind of get free range. And like, I, I agree with Kel. At round one, you give them the benefit of the doubt. They're feeling each other out. You know, they face each other before. You're trying to put the best possible spin on it. But when it's still going on in rounds two, three, four, you, you, can't, you can't insult the audience's intelligence by saying that, oh, yeah, it's yes. just a real chess match here. You have to acknowledge yep. that. Like, yeah, this fight's not going well. Um, what round was it that uh, that Rose started to get – was it – it wasn't the fifth round, was it? Was it a little before that when she finally went for, like, a takedown? There was, like, a little more action that finally – the most memorable bit. takedown from Rose, I don't even know if it was the only one, was like 10 seconds to the end of the fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very, Which very is tail like, end. And a lot of like, not only was the commentary a big point of discussion, a lot of Rose's corner work was being criticized as well. I mean, she has Trevor sure. Whitman in her corner, who, in my opinion, is the best coach in MMA. I, I think he's fabulous. Rough, rough weekend for him, though. Damn. Rough the, weekend Rose for Whitman, Gaethje. man. I caramba. Coming off 268, where you have Ro- Rose Gaethje and Kamaru win to go yes. 0 for 2. But she has Pat Barry taking the lead in her corner. And then you have Whitman, who's kind of trying to say the opposite of him, but politely. And the, it, it was just yeah. very weird. And then Rose had said, post-fight, somebody had asked, you know, did Trevor Whitman or anybody in your corner tell you anything 
kind of switch up the game plan going into the fifth. And she said that Whitman had told her she was up four rounds going into the last round, which that's rare, which was crazy to me, because even even if you think that the rounds were so close, it it just didn't seem like a smart thing to say. No, I mean, obviously not did not pay off for her right. at all. But yeah, there's no way that you could say, oh, clearly this this was all you. And again, we're not, you know, the defense don't count up in here, girlfriend. But I will ask you, Renee, I mean, because I know WWE and just pro wrestling commentary is a little bit different, but on your podcast and just on the radio shows you do, like how hard is it to walk that line of giving, you know, like reasonable criticism of people that you're not only colleagues with, but some people that you're, you know, developed really good you know, personal relationships with. That must be difficult, I imagine. It can be really rough, especially when something is said and taken out of context and all of a sudden it's on like a dirt sheet somewhere. It's online and that person that I might have been talking about is reading this headline that's taken out of context in terms of what the actual conversation was or what my actual point was trying to be. It can be really rough. I, I hate that. And that's that's a thing that I'm constantly trying to get better at and like separate myself from things like that. But at the same time, you know, I, I think... Again, wrestling's a little bit different in terms of that because a lot of the onus generally will fall on what the creative is, what the writers are putting together, what Vince's edict is going to be on things. So it's a lot easier to kind of like put the blame on those other situations. And I, I also get it. I know what it's like being in that belly of the beast of WWE. And sometimes the odds are really stacked up against you. And not everybody can see that from the outside that's just watching you come down the ramp and have this match or like what the booking is. So I I tend to try not to be too overly critical of things in wrestling. There's enough people out here that are doing that that I don't need to add my my name into that. And I think the fact that I have been there and worked there as long as I did uh, means I I really don't like being a a part of those conversations. And I think it's better for the people that that haven't worked for the company that just want to be the spectators of the sport. I'll let them speculate on some of that stuff more than more than I'm usually willing to. Um, But yeah, it it, it can be tough. It can be really rough. I mean, I know that there's been situations on commentary. um, Remember when Corey Graves said something about Dana Brooke and that like caught a little bit of heat where he was saying something, you know, why she's still here or something like that. I can't remember exactly what the phrasing was, but I, I remember him kind of coming to to his own defense on, on why he said that and what his relationship is like with Dana, uh, Dana Brooke and all that stuff. So, yeah, it can be a real sticky, sticky situation. I mean, even uh, when I was doing commentary and John was wrestling with WWE and I had to call his matches like that was always such a weird spot where I'm like am I his wife during this or am I just Renee Young while I'm calling this it was really 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 muddy uh so that was uh that was always a little that's so crazy to me like whenever I watch WWE because I know to an extent the commentators are part of the storylines and things like that yeah so even when I watch Corey and Carmella now I'm like I I know like obviously they're very like outward with their relationship and stuff but I always wonder, I'm like, wow, you, you know, like there's like Seth and Becky who they're never really on screen together, especially often, like nowadays. No. And I'm just yeah. like, I never know what that line is in WWE. And I guess it's all <laughs> Me determined neither. in the back. <laughs> right. And it, it like for John and I, it was changing all the time as well, too, because when so the night that I debuted on commentary was the night that he returned as a heel. So I really like me out there, like squeaky clean baby face. 
could not be like, my dastardly husband, what is he doing? Like it just clashed and it didn't really work. And we were really trying to figure that out as we were doing it. There was times that Vince was like, I don't want you to mention that he's your husband at all. Like we are going to, uh, they're going to completely, uh, yeah, move away from that. But then there's times that he would like feed Corey a question asking me like, oh, what do you guys talk about at dinner at home? I was like, oh my God. So yeah, it could be. A real kick in the dick. <laughs> we never knew what we were doing. Throwing Down with Renee and Misha is part of the Sirius XM Podcast Network. The show is produced by Michael Russo and Kelly Murphy. Sound designed by Nari Balin. Special thanks to Sirius XM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen, and Sirius XM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. Sirius XM Podcasts.